Hey everyone, welcome back to the Power to Perform podcast. I'm your host, Allie Mallory, and I am the Clinical Administrative Specialist here at PHP, and I have my Master's in Sport and Performance Psychology. And I am here once again with Riley Berkey, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Hi y'all, it's Riley Berkey. I'm on the women's track and field team, and I am in the combined events. Awesome. So... Briefly, just to touch on last week, uh, Riley was able to share with us just her past sport experiences and how that led to her picking track and then just going through the recruitment process, which sounds like a lot for a junior in high school. Uh, So it was really cool to hear your experience from that. So just for this next episode, what have your experiences been like with coaches? Um, Have you had positive experiences, negative experiences? What has that been like? Yeah, excuse me. So I feel like having played a lot of sports throughout my life, like I have experienced negative and positive and then just different types of coaching styles, coaching behaviors, which have definitely like shaped me into the athlete I am. Like, I mean, you think back to like some of the middle school coaches you had or like some of the soccer coaches who are like huge yellers. Like, I definitely feel like um, as an athlete, like the coaching experiences you have, like you can take a lot away from it. You can leave some of it, but definitely like Having a lot of coaches play different sports, I have been, like, shaped by um, a bunch of different coaches. But, yeah, I had some great high school coaches who, um, like, helped me get to where I am, supported me, like I said, helped me through the recruiting process, and, like, basically led me to the amazing uh, coach I have right now at CU, Coach Lindsay Malone. She is the combined events and jumps coach. So, um, yeah, and, again, going through the recruiting process um, and – talking with a lot of coaches and um, doing your own research on coaches, I I definitely feel like um, it was one of those things that uh, I sought Coach Lindsay, Coach Malone out because of her, um, like, connection that she had with her team and the values that she was promoting via, like, social media or, like, like via the phone calls that we had. So um, I do feel like I made a great choice, like, coming to see you and getting to be coached by Coach Malone. But, um, yeah, that's awesome. It's so good, too, to hear, like, you knew what you were wanting. Um, and, unfortunately, that may come from having a negative coach and seeing what you don't like. Yeah. Was that the case for you? Yes. So, um, as much as I have had great coaches in my life that have impacted me and, like, gotten me here today, I, um, I did have um, an unfortunate experience with a coach my junior year of high school. So, um Whenever I decided to pursue track exclusively, I um, the summer of my junior year, I started training with a private hurdle coach in order to um, help me like pick up that event and like um, like harness some of the techniques and hurdles. And mm-hmm. so um, that was the first time I'd ever worked with a private coach before. I'd always been on teams or just trained with a track club or trained with my high school team. So. Um, that was definitely like going into that. I was a little bit um, unsure of what private coaching and private training looks like. Mm -hmm. And so um, definitely some initial signs that he maybe wasn't the best coach was um, some initial signs where our practices dragged on and I felt he had a little regard for my time and schedule. And I felt very unsure and uncomfortable saying I needed to be done or saying I had to go get somewhere else. Mm. And so that was something that, like, um, I'd never really been faced with before. I I didn't want to be, like, disrespectful. I didn't want to – I mean, he is my coach. He is my superior. So I had a hard time expressing when I needed to be done. And so that was definitely one of the first signs. And um, 
he also, um, even on the very first day I trained with him, he would film me. And um, looking back, I I always ask myself, why did he need to be filming my warm up? Like, right. um, filming is a very like useful like skill in a lot of sports, especially in a technical event like hurdles. Mm-hmm. But looking back, he was filming things like me stretching or my warm-up. That's not something I or he have any business looking back on because, um, like I said, by the time you get to a certain point, you know how to warm up, you know how to stretch, you know like um, how to prepare yourself for a workout. So, um, And that was something that um, I was able to like overlook or not question because I'm like, okay, this is a private coach. Maybe this is the level of coaching that um, – comes along with it maybe this is a level of commitment that a private coach brings so like those are some initial signs that definitely um in hindsight do not seem like the best coaching the best the best coaching like I probably like should have realized that sooner but looking back those are some of the things that I realized were not the best yeah I'm sure that was really hard too and it's it's so easy to be like oh looking back I should have done this I should have done that but actually doing it in the moment especially at your age when you're 16 that's that's so hard Mm -hmm. so how did this all end I guess or what else came from that yeah so um like I said those were some pretty initial signs um there was other events like I but asked to train with another teammate. So it wasn't just like me and because he had like, he coached some of like the other athletes in my area and some of my high school teammates. So um, I had requested if we could like do like a group session Mm -hmm. and um, he would tell us different times. So then he could just like work with me alone. And that like was one of those things that I'm like, okay, that I requested specifically to be with my teammate who was also a guy, which made me feel a little bit more comfortable. But then at the same time, I was, like, I don't want to, like, burden him. Like, it is where we are, like, paying him. Like, if he wants to work with me alone, like, he, he should know. He he knows best. He's the coach. Like, maybe I need to, like, have one-on-one training. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing is he would, uh, like, frequently call and text me. And I thought this was, like, again, I thought this was normal. I justified it in my head because, like I said, maybe this is the level of communication that we're supposed to be getting. We're paying him. He's a private coach. Like, I've, I've never had it, had a coach like this. And so um, that was another thing, like like I've been saying. In the time, I was like, okay, this is normal. But looking back, it's far from normal and mm-hmm. actually very on the, like, not on the norm side for, like, professional coaching. Yeah. Um, he also – um, was very like intrusive into my personal life, which was a, like a weird thing. I'd never had coaches like ask certain questions he asked me, which were just like uncomfortable. And um, it was just a very strange dynamic um, and a dynamic I've never had with a coach. And um, yeah, so there was just a lot of, I feel like overall, there was just a lot of gray areas and a lot of feelings that like um, in all my years of being an athlete, coaches had never like made me feel that way so like in the moment I did know that something like wasn't right but it was one of those things that you're taught like from a young age like okay don't let um anyone like touch you here or do this but it was one of those things that it was a gray area and it was okay is this something I need to be talking to people about or is this something that is this something that's just like normal am I overreacting like it's one of those things that it's it's a very um fine line between if it's something you should like um 
not be okay with or go like confide into someone about. So that was definitely like a very frustrating time for me as well. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I think it's so common for us to say like, oh, like I don't, it, oh, it's just, I hate that. Like what, what he did, manipulators are good at manipulating. And mm-hmm. I think he put you in so many great areas that when we were taught, like you said, you know, they can't touch you, but then people didn't say like what's okay and what's not yeah. okay to say. And definitely like, like I said, this was in the, still in my recruitment process. Yeah. And so he, not only was he like, um, my superior, like in age, he, he was like a pretty decorated track athlete, but, um, he would say things like, do you want to be a D1 athlete, Riley? Like, mm-hmm. would you say this to your college coach? And so he did have this, um, he did have an upper hand because I needed something. I needed to get recruited. I needed to be like at a track school. And so he did have connections. He did have this like experience that I was like, I feel like I was able to allow a lot of this stuff to happen because I had this goal of, I want to compete at a higher level in track. And so I was able to like lose sight of some things or um, let some things I am not comfortable with slide because um, again, like of the manipulation of the grooming of, um, like the confusion he created for me. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's it was definitely a time where I was very scared and uncomfortable of using serious words like assault, manipulation, and grooming. But um, I feel like it's those situations that, like, are where those words originated from because you're, like, uncomfortable to say and, you, like, you, you don't understand, mm. um, the, like, the place they put you in. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like he was, I mean, so many things, but he was taking advantage of the power dynamic that he had for over sure, you. For sure, for sure. So... How did this all end? Like, where is he at now? Yeah, okay, so, <laughs> um, basically, so that summer, I finished training with him, and then my, like, summer season came to an end, and I started at my senior year of high school, and I didn't really train with him because, um, like I said, I was in high school track, and um, I kind of had, like, moved on with the recruiting process, and so um, he just wasn't really in my life for that period, and actually two weeks before I came to see you I was sitting at a restaurant with my family eating and I got a text from my teammate and she said did you see this article and I'm like no and I open up the article and it is um it was an article about how he was um arrested it was San Antonio track coach arrested for inappropriately touching and recording young athletes and then like sexual a sexual sexual assault charge mm-hmm. So in that moment, I, I feel like I, if I'm being very honest, one of the first emotions I felt was embarrassment and I felt pretty like pathetic because it was one of those things that, um, I like, like, like I said, it's all easier in hindsight, but in that moment, when I saw the article, it confirmed all those thoughts like, Hey, this is not right. Hey, a coach has never said this to me. Hey, um, a coach has never put me in this type of situation. So all those experiences got immediately validated mm-hmm. by that article. And um, I definitely, like, right now sitting here years later in college, I definitely can, like, want to say and want to take away from this is that if you feel something's wrong, it probably is. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that um, being, like, a young woman, you're often, like, maybe discouraged or like a little bit like scared to like make big accusations but a lot of times you get to a certain point where like I had so many coaches before him that never like 
made me feel like this and um I uh definitely in that moment like knew some things weren't right but I didn't know like how serious it had to be for you to come forward Mm. and um and so definitely like to younger athletes to like any athletes back home like even my sister she's still in high school and she's going through the recruiting process like I feel like it's um one of those things that you should definitely like it's a very a cliche but like trust your gut Mm -hmm. and like most of the time if it feels wrong it probably is and so like after that I like definitely opened up to my parents more about incidents that had happened with him and it wasn't like I was hiding anything from them but it just didn't feel like um things would happen and I didn't feel like oh I have to go home and tell my mom yeah but it was just continued, hey, this was a little bit weird. And I would leave practice with, like, an unsettled feeling. Mm-hmm. And so, it, like I said, it wasn't one event where I was, like, I'm going to report him for this. We need to, like, like press charges or anything. It was just continued events of him making me feel uncomfortable, like, X, Y, Z, fill in the emotion. Yeah. And so that's what was very confusing for me. And I feel like no one really prepares you or, like, talks to you about this mm-hmm. that, like, the grooming and the manipulation is like a cycle it's not like necessarily one event it's like a continued perpetuated thing yeah so that's definitely something that um I even though it was a very unfun experience I mean I did learn and like I said earlier in this episode it did lead me to my amazing coach Malone and um that experience made me really like reassess and value my relationships with coaches and so going through that process I um wanted to find a coach um it was a plus that she's an amazing strong (laughs) woman yeah but then also someone who um is very professional in all of her work and all of her coaching so I want to believe like out of this like I said not fun situation that I like was able to come here and it made um me be even more like intentional about the coach I chose to train with in college so yeah That's amazing. I love that. I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing because that's probably not an easy thing to talk about. And what you're doing, though, is help trying to help others by sharing potential signs of grooming and manipulation so that anyone who is listening to this podcast could look out for that. So I, I thank you for your courage and your vulnerability. It really is truly amazing. Thank you. And so how I wanted to end this podcast is to share some resources. So Safe Sport uh, is a nonprofit organization that is working to end sexual, physical, and emotional abuse in sport. And so they have lots of resources on their website, which is www.uscenterforsafesport.org. And big thing on their website is they have training and courses that are aimed at educating coaches, parents, and athletes to build a better sport culture across the U.S. And so I would encourage anyone who's listening to check out their website. They even have podcasts. So if you want to listen to a different podcast, that's another option. Um, But yeah, so Riley, thank you so much. I mean, do you have anything else to add or? No, thank you all yeah. for giving me this platform to express this experience on. Yeah, of course. And we'll have two more episodes after this, but just want to finish it off with a quote. You must never be fearful about what you are doing when it is right. Rosa Parks. Thank you everyone. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>